Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lamp. I'm your host, James Lampkin. My guest today is the founder of Maison 276, Angel Cornelius. Thank you for joining me. Well, thank you for the invitation, James. I am thrilled to um, be speaking with you this evening. And thank you for the opportunity to share my journey, my entrepreneurial journey and my story. Yes, actually, it's an honor to have you because um, I heard you on an AARP podcast. It was really mm-hmm. interesting. Yes, um, and where we basically just shared the journey. You know, Maison 276 is really the result of my 30 plus years of frustration with the beauty industry. And I really set out not, in fact, to start a company. I was really just creating products for myself and really stumbled upon the fact, really through my friends, that there were many, many other women who shared the same frustrations and found you know, certain things in the beauty industry lacking for what they needed in their life at this point. Was it, were you, did you find it lacking because of race or because of what, what was lacking? So I've always been a bit of a beauty DIYer, even before, that was actually a term. Like even my late 20s and 30s, I would buy product off the shelf and then add ingredients to it for my skin because either it didn't leave my skin moisturized enough or because it left my skin sticky. You know, I grew up on the Gulf Coast. I'm from New Orleans. You know, I currently live in Texas. So, you know, the humidity is very high. So I wanted products that kept my skin moisturized but also didn't leave it feeling sticky. And so I would just kind of, you know, doctor up the products that I bought on the shelf for my skin. And as it relates to my hair, my mother actually discovered my first silver strand. I was so young, she would still call me my hair. And so I've really grown up with this silver hair and understand the challenges of what it means to have silver hair. Obviously I didn't have this much, much as a child, but over time, the products on the market were just not effective for me. Um, most of the products were silvers and blondes. Silvers and blondes are hair sisters. We use the same products, regardless of race or texture. And it's this category known as the purple shampoos because they have purple dyes in it. And the problem with that is that it turns your hair purple and you get what I call old lady blue hair. And I have been using these products for decades and just got tired of using things that didn't work and just started researching plant-based ingredients to solve for my personal pain points. Again, just really creating products for myself. And, uh, you know, people eventually found out I was making products and that's how I started selling products. Really, my friends were my first customers. Yeah, I, I heard on the, on the podcast, it was really interesting. You said you had it, you were like at a church function and you had some in your bowl and then the ladies passed it down the aisle. Right. So I had, so what, how I got into making skincare products, I was originally making hair care products. That was my first issue that I was solving for, but I had all these leftover raw ingredients, you know, shea butter, coconut, all of the essential oils, all plant-based. And uh, I realized, oh, I can make skincare products with this. I can make body butters and soaps. And so that's really how I got into the skincare products. It was the leftover ingredients from the hair care products that I was making. And so you, to your point, I had a small container of a body butter 
in my purse on Saturday morning and I used it. And some of my friends saw me use it. One, particularly, she was sitting next to me and she's like, oh, what is that? Let me try it. And I give it to her and she passes it down the row. And now the whole church, the back of the church where we're sitting, smells like lavender. <laughs> and they just kept egging me on about, well, we want some and I don't make it for anybody. Well, sell it to us. I don't have anything to put it in. And they were like, well, just put it in that. And I said, honey, if I sell you something, it will not be in a Tupperware container. And that is the true story. And those women still are my friends to this day, but they were my first customers. I had to actually create an Etsy storefront. Etsy, if you're not familiar with it, it's a platform for makers. And it used to be you could only sell your product on Etsy if it was handmade. They've expanded quite a bit now, but that was the first place I actually sold products um, so that I could, you know, sell products to my friends. <laughs> so before that, before that, had that, did you, did you even think about starting a business before this woman? No, went? not at all. No, not wow. at all. I, I, I was very serious about what I was doing because I was creating something for my skin and for my hair. And so, you know, I kept very copious notes. You know, I took very detailed notes of the descriptions of the products that I was making. And, you know, there were a lot of things that didn't work. And so there was a, there were many iterations, many times of me going back and forth and, you know, oh, I like the way it smells, but I don't like the way it feels, or I like the way it feels. And, you know, very, just a lot of kitchen chemistry until I got it to the point, whether it was the hair care products or the skincare products or the soaps, until I got it to a point that satisfied me because I was trying to please myself. I was perfecting it for my own personal use. And as it turned out, you know, you know, other people enjoyed the products as well. I want to back up to something you said, because you said you wasn't really interested in business, but it's funny because you took a business mindset immediately because you told the women, well, if I sell you something, I'm not going to put it in a Tupperware box. So how'd you, how'd you have that mindset so quickly? Well, I mean, you know, I had a corporate career, right? so it wasn't in beauty it was in healthcare administration. I've also worked in financial services for a while. So I very much consider myself someone that's business-minded. It was just not in the beauty industry. And so, um, you know, I, I've always been, been very meticulous, whether it was, you know, how I was giving a presentation or, you know, how I managed the clinics that I ran and what those clinics looked like and, you know, uh, creating an environment where patients felt comfortable and in a place they wanted to be, despite it being the doctor's office. So I've always been very detail oriented um, in my corporate life, you know, as, as well as my personal life. Um, you know, my family would always tease me about the Excel spreadsheets that I would create when we when it was time for us to go on vacation. So those that skill set was definitely something I had honed over, you know. 20, 30 plus years of working in corporate America, it was just me applying that very unknowingly initially, applying that just natural skill set to this hobby, this passion project that I had. But I very much had to learn on the run as it relates to beauty and, and you know, products and manufacturing. And, you know, for a lot, for the first year or so, I was making everything in my kitchen. And the, the essence, uh, opportunity was the thing that 
caused me to have to get a manufacturer because like, well, you can't, you know, send products to Essence that you create in your kitchen. Furthermore, they wanted over 10,000 units. So that was just not doable. And, um, but that was an incredible opportunity that really changed my life. When you agreed to that opportunity, because like you said, you were, you were making products in the kitchen, the right person got a hold of it. So it was a great opportunity, but you wasn't, but you wasn't ready for it per se. Well, I, no, I was making products in my kitchen. I was t- having the, uh, the, the meeting I was having on the phone with her was in my office at the clinic and I scheduled it during the lunch hour when I knew nobody, <laughs> you know, would not too many people would be knocking on my office door. And I always jokingly say, you know, it's a good thing that we didn't have zoom back then <laughs> because the words that were coming out of my mouth didn't really match the look on my face. Like, OMG, what did I just agree to? <laughs> <laughs> but I had to figure it out. I mean, did you, you, know, did, you even I, hesit- did you hesitate to say yes? Cause that was a, no, bit- not at all. I did not. I didn't. Okay. I, I, she said, you know, we'd love to have you in the beauty box. We have a new program. It's a subscription box. And, and basically what that was and subscription beauty boxes are a thing. Many women, you know, it's, it's, it's a huge industry. And basically what happens is a woman will buy a subscription. It could be for a month, six months or a year. And the companies send products you know, beauty products in the box and it's an assortment and you never know really what you're going to get. And a lot of, you know, upcoming brands will use that as an opportunity to introduce their products to, you know, the beauty market to their consumer. And so I had, I, in general, I knew what a subscription box was, but I personally had never subscribed to one. So in terms of the number of units that she would need, I really couldn't have guessed. I, I mean, I, I had no idea. If she had told me 200, I would have been, okay, sure. But that's not what she said. So I had no preconceived ideas at all. For me, the, the factor, the overriding factor that made me say, you know, I will absolutely do this was because it was essence. It was essence. And for women of my generation, essence is an iconic and very influential figure in our lives. Not just because it's a magazine, but because it's really an institution. Because for women my age, essence was the first place we saw ourselves celebrated consistently in a beautiful, positive, empowering way. And we saw women across the entire diaspora of all shades, all hair textures and types. And so Essence is very, very special and iconic for our generation. And I just felt honored that they wanted to collaborate with me in any way at all. And so, yeah, the answer was going to be yes. And I was just going to have to figure out how to do it along the way. That was a huge order. And you said yes immediately. How long did it take for you to process and really get the the process going to get the 15,000 orders done? Right. So I'm really grateful that they understood where I was at that point and where I needed to be in order to fulfill you know, my agreement with them. Um, and, you know, that's where our relationships 
are so important and also being honest with your with your business partners you know they knew that i i was not manufacturing at the time and so the 9 months that i had was just the minimum amount of time minimal amount of time that i had in order to make that all happen because one thing is that you know 10 or 15,000 units sounds like a lot to me and you but honestly in the beauty industry in the manufacturing industry that's a very, very small number. Like there are companies, there are manufacturers who don't turn their machines on for less than 50,000 units. And also they are dealing with an unknown. Like I'm not a known entity. I'm not a company. I'm this lady calling them up who was making products in her kitchen. And now she needs, you know, 15,000 units. They don't know me from Eve. They don't know that, you know, can she pay for this? And and so a lot of, I got so many no's uh, from manufacturers who just didn't even want to bother or they wanted to sell me a product that they had created and just allow me to put my name on a label. And that's what's called white labeling. And that's why there are so many products that women or just consumers in general buy but they can't tell the difference from one product or another because many times it is in fact the same product. It just has a different brand name on it. And so I was very adamant about them using my formulation. And so that was the other unique uh, struggle that I had. Not only that I was an unknown entity, but I wanted them to take my formula and uh, formulate that for commercial distribution. Because, you know, when you're making something in your kitchen on Thursday night and you're going to sell it at, you know, a farmer's market on Saturday, well, it's a very controlled environment. It's in your home. It's air conditioned. You're transporting it in your air conditioned car. You know, when you distribute things commercially, you have to make sure that that product is formulated for transportation, for varying temperatures, for shelf life. You know, when you ship something from Florida, when it gets to California, it still has to be good. There can't be any bacteria growing in it. And it has to look the same way it looked when it left the lab. And if it sits on a shelf for three to four months, it still has to be viable. So those are a lot of the things that people don't realize. Like when you go from hand making a product to scaling and distributing on a commercial level, it's a huge jump. You can still stay true to your formula and in your base, you know, um, ingredients, but you still have to make sure that product is safe for the consumer every step of the way in the supply chain. Because you were hearing no's and people wanting to change your formula, at any point, did you feel like you, did you question your decision to, to, to that commitment? No, I just... <laughs> was concerned that it might, that I might not meet the deadline. Right. And so, you know, we act, they initially wanted us to go into like a holiday box, like around December, because I, the product that we distributed was a body butter. And that's something that people really love for the winter, you know, because your skin's drier. And I just, we, that was just not enough time. So I'm really grateful they gave us the additional time so that we ultimately uh, wound up launching in the March box. And that was March of 2016, right? So um, 
so yeah, there, it wasn't that I was doubting my ability to deliver. It was just how long is this going to take me, you know? And, you know, fortunately, I'll be honest with you, James, I'm really glad that I didn't know all the, <laughs> all the hurdles and the hoops that I was going to have to jump through and like all the steps that were involved. Um, because maybe I, I might have, you know, reconsidered, but I really just didn't realize, you know, when you go from a one woman shop where you're doing everything and then you go to the manufacturer and you think, oh, they're going to do everything now. And actually not. The manufacturer manufactures the product. You still have to figure out what you're going to put it in. You've got to find somebody to uh, create the label for you. Uh, who's going to ship it from the, ma from the manufacturer to the warehouse. So it's all those other steps, the things that you used to do in your house. Like there are companies that do every single part of that step. And you just kind of, that's what's called the supply chain actually. And you just figure, you know, so those are all the things that I had to learn. But again, very grateful for the opportunity to learn that at that point on a small scale, because, you know, it, it just prepared me for subsequent uh, opportunities along the way. Or after that, I should say. How long did it take for you to get comfortable? Because I think you said it was like a nine-month process, correct? Well, it was nine months between when I signed the contract and said, yes, I'm, 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 I want to do this collaboration with you between nine and when we actually delivered the product. So, you know, we were working towards that every step of the way. You know, whether once we got the manufacturer, then, you know, finding someone to design a label, working on the, um, the formula, you know, getting the fragrance right, like all of those things. Um, that's what took nine months. I probably found the manufacturer after about six weeks, but the rest of the time was just, you know, because it's a new product. And so the manufacturer has to go through their iterations as well, you know, of taking your, your formula and making it a viable commercial product. Like that's a process. And how long did it take you to get like comfortable with it? Like, you know, what's going on. You, you got a good feel for what's, you know, where you stand and things like that. Um, I think once I got the manufacturer, because that was the biggest ish, that was, you know, the biggest part of the puzzle. You got to have somebody that's going to create this product for you. And after that, you know, everything else um, just fell into place because that was the biggest, that was the biggest hurdle. You know, and once we signed off with that partner, then everything else felt small in comparison, honestly. It, it wasn't that everything else was easy. It was just that compared to that, everything else felt so much more manageable. And it's just like, I just have to find, you know, you can find people to create labels and, you know, and we use them one time and move on to someone else. But for that project, they served a purpose. And, um, you know, very grateful because prior to that, you know, I was printing labels at home and I designed it. And so it was not, you know, great. <laughs> So what was the feeling like when after the nine months you 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 achieved the goal you you were able to to get the fifteen thousand units the fifteen thousand units completed? How were you feeling once you accomplished it? Well, it was a huge relief because you know I, I the the thing about it was like I didn't want to be that small brand that they gave a shot and they didn't come through. And so the next time a small brand maybe wanted to collaborate, they might think twice because they would think, and, and 
you know, oh, you know, we don't know if we're going to mess with this because you know what happened before. And during the process, I realized that other small brands had bowed out because it was an expensive endeavor to, to undertake. And so, um, so, you know, definitely no shade to them. It, 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 it's quite a lot. And when you don't know what you don't know, and then you really get into it, then you realize this is a, a this is a huge undertaking for someone doing this the first time. So I just felt really um, I felt compelled to follow through. And then I had so many supporters, my friends and my family. You know, all those people who had been buying products from me when I was making products in the kitchen, and how proud they were that I had gotten this opportunity. Like I. I didn't want to let them down, you know, because they believed that me, it believed in me from the very beginning when I wasn't even trying to start a company. And so the day that Essence launched the box, basically what they would do every month, they would do this Facebook live and go, here's the box for this month. And they talk about all of the products that were in the box. And so, you know, as I said, I, I had a very demanding job. <laughs> um, you know, it was not unusual for me to work 10, 11 hours a day. And so at the time for the Facebook live, I actually left the, the building. I had to drive out of the parking garage because it was underground and it so the reception was really bad and i drove to a building next to mine and sat in an open parking lot where i could get better reception and took out my ipad and watched my company launch on facebook with essence in my car looking at it on my ipad i was just so overwhelmed you know cried a few tears they finished, wrapped it up in about 15 minutes, and I drove back to my parking spot in the building, back to my the garage, and went back to work. You mentioned that you have a you have a very you had a very demanding job working mm -hmm. 10 to 11 hours. You had a yeah. family. Was that one of the reasons that you never really considered being an entrepreneur because you just didn't have the time? No, it just never was on my radar. I mean, I I really enjoyed my career in healthcare. I really enjoyed um, I really enjoyed what I did. Uh, so it wasn't really, yeah, it wasn't that. Now I will say um, that I have a I have always had a very entrepreneurial spirit when it came to my roles in the various companies that I worked for. And what I mean by that is, you know, if this is my department, then I always treated that like my company. I really did, you know, whether it was the budget, you know, being very, a very effective budget manager, whether it was the team that I built for the department that I was responsible for. Um, and in retrospect, I realized I had a very entrepreneurial spirit I was just what, what, what we now call an entrepreneur, and that's basically someone who works for another company, but they have the spirit of an entrepreneur. And so um, it's just the skill set that I use on a day-to-day -day basis now as the founder of Maison 276 is really no different than the skill set I used in all of my other corporate jobs. You know, I, I'm the same angel, same personality, same A personality, same driven, uh, somewhat of a perfectionist, uh, team builder. Uh, you know, I, yeah, so I, I have not transformed to a different person. I've just taken that skill set 
and, and I'm using it in a different way. And this different way happens to be a company that I founded. Uh, but I have told people, and I, I do believe though, this stage in my life is a perfect time for me to be an entrepreneur. Uh, we were empty, we are empty nesters. And when I started experimenting with products, our daughter was in college and on her way out. And so at the time where the company really began to um, require so much more of my time, uh, as I was still working my full-time job because I, I didn't retire immediately. As most entrepreneurs that you speak to, you, you know, they keep their day job because that's what fuels, you know, and, and funds the, the side hustle. Um, but I will say, because we were empty nesters, I did have a, a level of free time, more or less, that I would not have had, had our children still been home. And so I may not have even just thought about it because I just, it wasn't that, I guess the point I'm making is that it was not a dream deferred because, you know, we had kids at home. It was not a dream that I had. I just hadn't considered it at all. So, so for me, retired. this is the perfect time. So you actually retired from your job? Yes. So I retired 2019 after running the company, you know, for almost three years at night when I came home from work and on the weekends. And again, that's not uncommon. You know, many entrepreneurs do that. And the question that I, I most often get about that is, you know, how do you know when it's time? And that question, the answer to that is different for everyone. Like there's no one answer. It's something that you have to be at peace with. Um, and so I basically told myself when my day job inhibits the growth of the company, because, you know, I'm just, they're out. There's only so many business meetings you can have between the hours of 12 and one and then <laughs> after 6 p.m., right? And so I told myself when my day job inhibits the growth of the company, then that's when I will know it's time to take a leap of faith. And it's always a leap of faith. I mean, no matter when you decide to, to quit, it's always a leap of faith. Um, but you have to be at peace with yourself about it. And it was also something that I planned out over a long period. So it wasn't like I woke up one morning and said, okay, I'm giving them two weeks notice. No, I planned that a year in advance. Like I knew that year that that was going to be my last year at the clinic, my last year at Texas Children's. So, you know, I had a whole year to plan both emotionally and everything else for what that meant um, in terms of, you know, taking that leap. And it was the perfect time because there were many opportunities that came after that, that I would not have been able to take advantage of if I still had a, you know, a traditional not eight to five. Mm. So for me, the timing was, was perfect. So now, so basically it's, it's, it's almost like a new career for you, correct? No, it's absolutely a new career. I have no experience in the beauty industry prior to starting this company, other than being a consumer. But I was a consumer that was very dissatisfied. So, you know, that that gave me a lot of information and informed a lot of my decisions as it related to product development, because I was creating something that didn't exist. Hmm. You, you worked 30 years in a career and now you're an entrepreneur, which takes a lot of time and a lot of energy. So what are some of the things, what are some things you do for yourself to be able to maintain a level of 
to maintain the level you need to be to, to make the business continue to grow? Well, I've always uh, been someone who worked out. Um, so exercise is a fitness is a really uh, big part of my life. I started running um, when I was a freshman in college. Actually, I just kind of stumbled on running and developed this lifelong uh, love for, excuse me, for running. So I would say that, you know, the, the non-negotiables, you know, are I'm going to work out, you know, four to five times a week and that hour that I spend doing whatever it is I do, that's kind of my me time, my refueling time. Um, you know, also many of my friends are empty nesters as well. So, you know, it's not, we kind of, you know, get together from time to time. So that just might be, you know, we get a week, you know, sad Sunday going to brunch with my girlfriends or whatever. So it's really not any big thing. They're just little things. And you have to be really disciplined about doing that because the thing that you don't, the thing that most people don't see about entrepreneurship is that it can literally be a 24, 7, 365 job in the early years. Mm -hmm. And it can consume every part of your being. It's almost like if you know anyone or if you're, I don't, I don't know if you're a parent, but if you know anyone who has a baby, like when that baby is born, it consumes every ounce of your energy, especially if you're a new parent, a first time parent, right? It's like it, it, it consumes all of your energy and being an entrepreneur is like that. Um, and there are a lot of sacrifices you make because there are a lot of things that I you know, don't do because I'm working or I'm traveling or, you know, I saw someone uh, post on Instagram last week and it was so true. You know, being an entrepreneur in real life is not the same as being an entrepreneur on Instagram. Like, <laughs> it um, is completely different. And it is, and most people don't really, like when you hear entrepreneur stories, it's like a highlight reel. You know, it's like sports yeah. center. You just see the highlights and it's, it, you don't see, you know, the, the five months in the off season that this athlete did all the training, right? You don't see the special diet he has to maintain his body at a certain level. You don't see the sacrifices that he makes during the season when he doesn't see his family. And I shouldn't say he, when he or she don't see their family or friends because their profession requires them to be away, you know, six months of the year. And they always work on holidays, right? You know, while you're the fan enjoying the Thanksgiving football games, you know, there are hundreds of people, not just the players, you know, the network, the camera, all these people who are never with their families during the holidays. And some, there are parts of being an entrepreneur in the early years that are very much like that, that people don't see. You just see the Instagram highlights. Um, and so whenever I speak to an entrepreneur or a group, it's really important that I share with them the normalcy of the struggle. Because if you think that it's easy and you're comparing your journey to what you see on Instagram, you'll get discouraged. So somebody has to tell you, oh no, this is really, really hard. And you make a lot of sacrifices. 
and, and, and things don't work out all the time. Sometimes there are restarts. It, things will likely not work out the way you plan. <laughs> there's your plan and then there's the way it unfolds, right? And so it's a lot of restarting and pivoting. And, and, um, and so it's really important to me as an entrepreneur to share that so people don't think that they're doing something wrong. No, it's just hard. <laughs> it's just hard. You you dedicated 30 years of your life to work and now you're entrepreneurial, but you're, you're, you're in your passion. So what is it like to be doing something you're passionate about? Um, well, I was really passionate about working in healthcare, okay. uh, but it's, but it, but, but it's different. Right. Um, but I actually was very passionate uh, about okay. healthcare. Um, because typically when you're in the doctor, it's not a place you want to be, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, um, no, I, I actually, I, I loved my job. The last hospital I worked for was Texas Children's, which is one of the premier healthcare organizations in the world as it relates to taking care of children. And so very proud to even have worked for them. Um, and it just as a little personal backstory, um, Texas Children's play, has played a very pivotal role in our lives as a family for me and my husband. Our son was a premature baby. He was three and a half pounds when he was born. He spent the first two years of his life at Texas Children's before he even wow. came home. Wow. And, you know, there are other issues that, you know, emergency issues with our daughter. And so they have been such as an institution, such an integral part of our lives, the fact that I could repay that, that compassion and understanding to other parents and that be my job uh, was, was really, really very fulfilling to me, um, especially when I encountered parents who had, had similar situations like mine. And, and, and it's hard, you know, when your friends don't have issues like that, sometimes you're, you're going through that in a vacuum. Um, and so really being able to be that, that level of support for parents, I, I, I really thoroughly enjoyed. Um, for me in this role, it's a little bit of the same, but different. Uh, one of the things that I'm passionate about is encouraging middle-aged women to embrace this amazing time in their lives. Um, much of what you see about middle-aged women in in the industry, whether it's the beauty industry, the mu the movie industry practically, you know, sends them out to pasture. You rarely see a middle-aged woman cast as a star, a romantic lead or something like that. But it is really, for me, Maison 276 is not just about giving women clean and in innovative products to address the naturally occurring changes that take place in their bodies as they mature, but also to celebrate them in a way that is authentic to who they are, how they see themselves and how they really feel, how they really live their lives. You know, middle-aged women are amazing, still ambitious, you know, athletic, energetic, and super excited about this time in our lives. And you don't see that reflected in media. And so for me, it is, is really um, providing this platform and being a part of a group of women, because it's not just me, but being a part of a group of women who are changing the narrative and pioneering a new way 
to look at aging in women over 50. So that is, I, I mean, I'm very, very passionate about that. And, um, and really, like I said, providing this platform for this beautiful, diverse uh, group of amazing women. And I'm really grateful because there are so many women who have now become a part of my circle, a part of my tribe that I would never have met had I not made this pivot in life. And so I'm really, really grateful for that. We never did cover the, the name. I love the name Maison 276. Right. How did you come up with that? Right. So I am a New Orleans native. I was born and raised in New Orleans. I am a straight up New Orleans girl. Um, and so Maison is French for house and 276 is the street address of the house where I grew up. And so one of my, um, I always knew um, I wanted the name of the company to have a nod to my New Orleans background, my New Orleans roots. And so that was a way to do that, as well as a way to uh, really honor my, my mother specifically, and just, you know, my family in general, you know, grandparents, you know, whatnot, uh, all of those people, who, uh, you know, my father, grandparents, all of those people who poured into me and are, responsible for the person that you see now. Um, and so just being able to share that journey with my mother and, you know, have her see Maison 276 on the label of my products. She subsequently sold that house. She actually doesn't live there anymore, but it still lives on mm -hmm. through the company. And so it's just something I can share with my whole family. And um, yeah, so that's the the inspiration behind the brand name. I want to close out with this because you've done some amazing things and with the healthcare field, amazing things in business. How important is it to just be ready? Because opportunities come really quick and sometimes we're not ready. So how is how important is it to just be ready and present for the moment? You know, I share with you that I actually wasn't ready for the essence moment, right? Because I was making products in my kitchen, but I wasn't scared of the opportunity. So I know there's this adage, you know, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. But sometimes you don't know <laughs> when something is going to present itself. Like I, I didn't know that that was going to happen, but I wasn't afraid. Um, and so, you know, regardless of what stage of life you're in, but particularly if you're someone who has worked decades in a particular field um, and whether you are completely satisfied or you, you're not, you know, one of the things, one of the things that I say to women all the time is that I, I don't think we give ourselves credit for our lifetime of experience. And I mean, our whole experience, our experience working, whatever that feel may be, you know, our experience with our families, our just, you know, our experience in our social organizations or leadership roles we may have played in church, like all of those things, all of those skills, they make you a very capable person. And I think very often women don't, they undervalue how much the depth of their experience and of their knowledge 
uh, of their intuition, like you, you're capable, capable of doing so much more than you think. And so I would say, don't be afraid. You might not be ready. <laughs> you might not, but, you know, give yourself grace and time to learn. And, uh, um, you know, fear, I mean, you know, I'm not going to say there were not times when I was not anxious. Yeah, there are a lot of things that I might have been anxious about and concerned, you know, is am I going to be able to pull this off? Am I going to succeed? You know, the QVC um, partnership, you know, yeah, I won the big fine, but now, now I've got, you know, I've got to go on live TV. Like that is a thing that is not like stop, rewind and uh, let's start over again. Um, but I'm very grateful because they provided the training, right? So had I been afraid, I wouldn't have given myself the opportunity to learn and be pre prepped and mentored and taught and, and guided through that process. So, so just because you just because you haven't done it, it doesn't mean you can't do it. Um, your circle may increase. Don't be afraid to you know, expand your circle of influence because maybe the people who are your tribe now, they might not have the skill set to get you to this new thing you want to do. Now, that doesn't mean you discount or disregard your, your current tribe. No, not at all, because you need that support in the dark times, in the dark moments. But, you know, you may need to step outside of that and maybe trust someone else. You know, one of the things, you know, I used to do all of it. And I, so, but I don't, I don't work the website anymore. You know, I don't do that. I don't take care of the Instagram page anymore because I was horrible at it. It's so much better. It's so much better now that we have somebody that a social media manager, the website is so much better because I don't manage that anymore. Um, you know, obviously the packaging, I don't design the labels anymore. I don't do that anymore. Uh, so, no, you know, as you grow, learning what things you got to let go of and then hanging on to the thing that's your superpower. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, that's, you know, product development um, and also community building, right? You know, building the Maison 276 community, uh, whether that's our customers, our brand ambassadors, our partners. Um, and so, yeah, so I would say, you know, I know that you that, that there was no one answer to that question. It, no, that's it was fine. a lot. I was but, I was expecting you to go in depth. So that's that's exactly what I wanted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good. I really thank you for taking the time to do this because I, you know, being an entrepreneur, I know how busy your schedule is. So for you to carve out this time for me, I'm honored. I appreciate you reaching out. Uh I, you know, I tell people all the time when it comes to things like this. I really say no. If I say no, it just probably means I'm on a plane somewhere. <laughs> just, you know, I'm just not able to do it because of a prior commitment. But, you know, I have been that person, you know, doing everything in their house, you know, making products in the kitchen. We all start somewhere, James. And it takes someone who believes in what we're doing and um, trusts what we're doing. And that gets us to the next step and then the next step and then the next step. So I'm honored that you reached out. Uh, I appreciate it. And I enjoy sharing my story with you. Thank you. And please let the people know how they can follow you and also how they can get your products. 
Sure. So um, I'll spell the company name Maison. It's M-A-I-S-O-N 276.com. That's our website. Um, we're also available uh, at Macy's, but all of the places you're, um, you can purchase the product from are on our website, Maison276.com. Please follow us on Instagram, same name, and then uh, Facebook, Maison276. And of course, you can follow me as well on Instagram. I would greatly appreciate it. And that's Angel U. Cornelius. The U is for my maiden name, Upshaw. Um, but uh, if you just type in Angel Cornelius, you'll probably see me pop up. So, All right. Thank you. And again, congratulations on your success. And I wish you all the best moving forward. Thank you. Same to you, James. Same Thanks. to you. I Take care. It. I want to thank everyone for taking the time to listen to the podcast. I truly appreciate your support. You can follow me on Instagram at conversations underscore with underscore Lamp. My Facebook is also conversations with Lamp. You can listen to the podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Again, thank you all for listening. Have a great day.